So for those of you who have um, not met me and the folks that I work with, I am going to introduce the Montana Historical Society. Most of you from Montana are going to think that I, you're, oh, you're from the museum. No. <laughs> the people who work in the museum have a completely different skill set. Usually it involves science. I am a historian, and I work for the research center that is the library, which is published material, the photo archives, which is self-explanatory, and the archives, which is thousands and thousands of boxes of original documents. And oh my gosh, is it fun. All right, let me grab the automatic control. Am I going to be able to figure this out? Yes. So. I am going to talk about Montana livestock brands. I've got to be sure I've got the time, because I will talk all day on this at Florida. That's me. All right. So this is, and you'll see these photos a lot as I talk. This is an L.A. Huffman photograph. He was a military photographer brought into Fort Keogh outside of Miles City. And fortunately for Montanans, he not only documented the military life and the Native Americans in the area, but he stayed in Miles City and documented the end of the Big Range era. So as you look at this, what is missing in that photo? Fences. 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 Yes. Fences. Big Range. Open Range. Brands are everywhere in Montana. And if you've not noticed, you will now. There are two of these along the highway department. Are you pointing out something familiar? Which one? The three sevens. The three sevens. These folks will be talking about several brands. So I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? All right. Oh, uh oh. Okay. I have to start with this. I want you to look at that. Very carefully. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this is proof that everybody wants to have a brand in Montana. 1907. Um, this is the official record. According to the official record, 1907, John the Baptist from Billings in Yellowstone County recorded the brand 7 Bar H. And then, this is the, um, believe it or not, the name indexes were handwritten until 1921. Brand research is fun, but a little challenging. And here it's Baptist, comma, John the. Sometime in, well, in 1982, someone said, no way. <laughs> Bear in mind, this is the official record. Now, I just like to play with this because it's so much fun. But... I have had colleagues point out very professionally, have you looked for churches called John the Baptist? And I have to admit, no, because I want to keep this a mystery for now. <laughs> All right. So today I hope to convince you of the marvel of this record set. There is no end to the histories, the symbols, and the stories there have been hundreds of thousands of brands recorded in Montana. Hundreds of thousands. Each one has a story behind it. Okay? 
We have genealogy, culture, just stories. I mean, what is the story behind John the Baptist? I mean, really, in Montana. <laughs> Historical trends. You know, I was born in Miles City. And so it wasn't until I was an adult that someone informed me that ranching actually started on the western side of the state. I had uncle, it, I know. <laughs> but for someone raised in the eastern side of the state, that was a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> I've had that argument. <laughs> so those eastern and western trends, oh my gosh, the, 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 open, the, the open range, the homesteading era, which is where you folks hail from, and then those modern trends. Always, before I can get in the business and the fun part, there's going to be someone who wants to know the first. And I don't know why we as human beings have to know the first, the last, the biggest, the best. I think the best is John the Baptist so far. However, that's like asking who's on first and what's on third, that old Abbott and Costello routine. So, do you want to know who the first used on livestock, believe it or not, 18... I am willing to hear anything that is contrary to what you know, because none of this is written in stone. Okay, but according to my research, and I'm just one person, the first time I could find that a brand, a burn, a scar was yours on livestock, was in the Lewis and Clark journals, October 5th, 1805, they were getting ready to go over the Rocky Mountain front, the Rocky Mountains and leaving their horses with the Shoshone, and they were marking their animals. There's no record as to what mark they left. And then, used in agriculture, in the 1840s, Cross on a Hill, St. Mary's, Father de Schmidt. Legislative authorization, 1865, the 84 brand was approved for a gentleman who had been a vigilante, was well-liked, and evidently, 84 was part of a little ditty, a little song that he used to hum. <laughs> Maybe it was a hymn he hummed. <laughs> but the first registered in Montana is the square and compass. And I'm going to show you the square and compass in a moment. This is what I'm talking about. The livestock department, um, brand department, is required by law to maintain and have on hand for anybody who walks in that office the records dating back to 1873 when the office was first, they first drew up the point dexter, the square compass. All right, this is what they look like. And they're kept in, in these big, big safes. And they're the most beautiful leather bound volumes you could ever hope to open. A few years ago, I'm going to say, Becca, about, what are we talking, maybe 16, 17, maybe as many as 20 years ago, Ivan Doit was doing research at the research center in Helena and wanted to look up his family brands. Walked across the street to the brand office and realized that those folks are not geared for research. They're not, they're simply not able to, and they will, I'm not saying they won't. But imagine what it's like pulling out these volumes, and they're big, for decade after decade of brand records. And so he donated the money 
for the brand records to be put on microfilm, and the microfilm is at the Montana Historical Society. It is now on the Montana Memory Project, and if you want to know more about that, email, I've got my cards. Because this is not a simple research. You are doing research from 1873 records. Guess what? They had no idea that we want to be able to Google everything. <laughs> All right. Poindexter and Orr, February 10th, 1873. There were all, there were, and people are going to tell you this, remind you, that there were 155 other brands recorded that day, many of them still in use. But I got to tell you, the Poindexter and Orr is the first. There's one um, source predating 1873 from 64 to 72, and guess what is in the first page? Poindexter and Orr. All right, notice the Beaverhead, Western Montana. You don't have to be so smug. <laughs> okay, the stories are going to tell us about ownership. They're going to be representative of the characters we talk about. And the symbols have these stories, Poindexter and Orr. So according, and I know this looks like the same man, but honestly, the photos were labeled different. Anyway, Poindexter and Orr brought their cattle business from California to Montana early, early, early. And yes, for those of you who like to have conspiracies, this is the Mason Masonic Square Compass. They were both Masons. They were interesting men. I often, when I talk with these folks, realize what a slacker I am. Because they had to have never woken up, or excuse me, never gone to sleep. All right, <laughs> that same year, Tommy Ha, or here he's known as Thomas Chinaman, records his brand. And so the first few brands I'm going to show you are from the other side of the state. So according to legend, when oars were in on the West Coast, they adopted a young Chinese boy. This is Tommy Hawk. He came to Montana Territory with the family. He was raised with the Orr children. And in 1873, he got a brand. And you want to guess what the OC stands for? Or from Chinaman. Orr's Chinaman. Isn't that amazing? This man went against convention. He not only ran cattle, he ran sheep, which caused a little bit of issue in the Beaverhead at that time. He had mining claims, and according to stories, he was a very good man. All right, look at our symbols. How many are not familiar with this? Charlie Russell. All right. So we've got the bar R, and that was the Stadler and Kaufman out of Helena. But according to legend, again, Charlie Russell was visiting. It was winter, and the cowboys were gathered around a wood stove. The manager of the Stadler and Kaufman herds, when the manager read a letter from Stadler asking how was the herd doing, and that is the painting or the sketch that came out of that. And then one of my favorite Montana characters, Michael Pablo, he had the PM bar out of the Flathead area, and he and his partner Allard are credited with 
being some of the handful of people that saved our bison population. Gary Cooper. Now look at this. Gary Cooper, Beverly Hills, for heaven's sakes. His parents had the 79 ranch north of Helena, and when they passed on, he took on the ranch. The ranch still has this, this brand. All right. So now we're going to get a little closer to home. Two Dot Wilson. How many have been to Two Dot Montana? Oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you all. <laughs> have you noticed that when someone pulls up in front of that bar, they're really glad to see you? <laughs> oh my gosh. So this is a very early brand, and you notice that George Wilson was originally recorded that brand in Jefferson County. And he bought another place, and then the place that's out of Harlow, Harlowton. And his brand, his brand, his ranch, then was the result of the naming of this little town, Two Dot, Montana. And for those of you who have not had the joy of visiting, just it's a quick little detour on, between between White Sulphur Springs and Harlow. Just do it because they're so happy to see people. <laughs> Okay, now this guy has received a lot of attention lately because there's a book coming out. And he was an interesting man. But here I'm just talking about his brand. It's the Yoke brand. And in later years it develops, a, a, I'm going to say a tail, and there's a special t name for it. But right now it's the Yoke brand. So Nelson's story. For those of you who are up on your Montana history, he was a crazy man. He and his wife went to Alder Gulch. They made money. They made a lot of money. She was, she was baking every day and selling, selling baked goods to the miners. Those were the smart people, actually, who decided to feed the miners. He was mining, right? He got some money, a lot of money, and he decided to invest it by feeding the miners. He went to Texas and bought different, different at least well, a whole lot of, of cattle. I'll just say that. And then he headed, headed north. This is 1864. No, excuse me, 1866. Again, the Bozeman Trail is not a good place to go. It was not a good, happy, traveler-friendly place unless you were Native American, for good reason. And he was told in Wyoming, I think at Phil Kearney, not to go any further, and he did. And he was able to bring his herd up the Bozeman Trail into the Gallatin, excuse me, and actually he stops in what is immigrant Montana now and uh, does wind up wintering a lot of his cattle there, but he continues on with quite a few of them into Virginia City. Again, December 1866, Virginia City again, they were happy to see him and that fresh beef. But I love this picture of this, oh, yep, yep, this cranky old man, and then three generations next to him. How could anybody be cranky with three generations sitting next to you, huh? So the Yoke brand, Nelson's story. L.A. Huffman. So getting back to that initial photograph, L.A. Huffman had a brand. Again, everybody wanted a brand. He attempted to ranch with, with a gentleman by the name of Lamphere. And this is an H and then an L. It's fascinating. Right? 
But these are some of, well, I don't know if you can pick a fake. Yeah, you can. This is the best L.A. Huffman ever. <laughs> He's hanging in my kitchen. The photo is hanging in my kitchen. So here's a man. He's good looking. And he can make pies on the back of a bed. <coughs> they just don't make them like they used to. Okay. The I.J. Ranch. Now this, I'm, I don't do a lot of reading, but I'm going to read this. This is a story from, by an I.D. O'Donnell. He worked for the I.J. Ranch in the early fall of 84. He was given the chore of bringing about 70 horses to Billings to get shipped back east. He claims in his story this was the first horse shipment back east. I'm, I'm not sure that's true. Let's just say it was one of the first. But they started in Fergus County, headed to Billings. And it's, it's, this is just amazing. One of the stories, between Roundup and Flat Willow, we passed at a distance a large band of about 150 head of horses going north and seemingly in a hurry. <laughs> we learned at Roundup that it was a stolen band of horses and the Indians were pushing their horses ahead and having a running fight from the rear, rear with a bunch of cowboys from Roundup. Oh my gosh. While camped at Hathbury Creek, a couple of miles from Roundup for our noonday coffee, they stopped for coffee. <laughs> my saddle horse, a bronc who I have tied to my saddle near camp, broke loose and made for the band of horses dragging the saddle. This scared the band and, and away they went on a real stampede. They uh, made a circle for the back trail, came down in front of the old Irwin store. Of course, we all know where these are things are. Where, the, where there was a team were hitched, circled around them, and then made for the ford of the river, crossed the river, and did not stop for 10 miles. My saddle horse, which had caused all the mischief, mischievous, had lost my saddle in the river, and not being frightened anymore was waiting for me on the other bank. <laughs> Again, all right. And from there, they did make it to Billings. They put the horses in, on a train, freight train, and sold them in Chicago. But what a trip. So the I.J. Ranch. The I.J. Ranch was owned by Siegelman, Bailey, and Kennett. I've been able to identify Siegelman and Kennett. Siegelman was a very, very wealthy person from New York. And he hits Montana, he creates a bank, he's, he's buying cattle, and again, he wanted a brand, as everyone did. Oh, the bar, the tuning fork, tuning fork brand. Let me see. So, Ida Powder, um, let's see, I'm going to say powder, that's not right. Ida, pound, there you go, thank you, Rebecca. I miss you, Rebecca. Um, got off of the steam the steamboat in the far west in Fort Benton with her family. Emily Lore says that they brought a piano with them. Again, there's a lot of lore, but I've never seen that in writing that they, the family brought a piano. But she was a, a music teacher along with other things. She married a man. They established a ranch outside of Big Timber, but he was a wool merchant, made lots of money, he had a mercantile, but Ida had the tuning fork brand. It never went into her husband's name. 
And that's one of those things we'll never know why. There is a direct descendant who has the tuning fork branch as we speak. I love that story. All right. Ten in Texas. The XIT. The capital freehold land and investment, the, the, the Mile City. Okay, the reality is these were all money, big city people who owned the XIT. But starting in, I want to say, 80, 84, they started shipping, bringing cattle in and shipped them until they got them up to Mile City. Cattle, 1,600 miles from Texas. And of course, they shipped them from different points. They didn't all make it up to Montana. But the XIT is legend. And they were a presence in eastern Montana for 20 years. And for the XIT, I just have a lot of great photos. All right? Look at this. So this is a cop. Oops. There's Mex John again. Sorry. Um, so this is a combination of Evelyn Cameron and L.A. Huffman photographs. And again, L.A. Huffman with his photographs has recorded, documented the end of the open range while Evelyn Cameron kind of picked up at the very end and then has documented so much of Eastern Montana's homestead there. The Eve Ranch, one of those people who settled, one of those couples who settled in Eastern Montana, outside of Terry specifically, Evelyn and Ewan um, Cameron. For those of you who aren't familiar with them, they were both well-heeled English folks. They came to, they had done a, we, perhaps a honeymoon, but we'll label it a honeymoon, in Montana hunting and came back a couple years later and, and homesteaded. And this was their brand. The Eve, and this, I'm sorry this is so out of focus, but it's an E, there's a V and an E. Okay, they called it the Eve Ranch. Now, What's fascinating about this, and this, so the brand winds up in Evelyn's name after Ewan passes away, because before it had been in his name. But there, we have, um, oops, I've got to slip in cookbooks, I love cookbooks, into our collection. We have Evelyn's cookbook, and on one page, she has doodled, and there's a scene of the hills behind her house, and then she has a date, and she puts the brand in her diaries. She says, doodled in Mrs. Lincoln, Mrs. Lincoln's cookbook. She often will say, went to bed with Mrs. Lincoln. She was reading her cookbook. <laughs> My kind of woman. All right. <laughs> What's next here? Huh? Teddy Roosevelt. His ranch was not in Montana, but he was right on the border. And Teddy Roosevelt was such, even as a young man, very, very proactive in politics. He, out of, in uh, North Dakota newspapers, Dakota newspapers, he lobbies for them to create a, a Stockman's Association. He, is, he attends the, Stock, the Montana Stockman's Association meetings and was a mover and shaker. But he, this is, are you ready for this? It's called the Elkhorn brand. He had the Matador Ranch in North Dakota, and quite honestly, the, the Matador Ranch brand was the Maltese Cross, and if he recorded it in Montana, I have not found it yet. So, Teddy Roosevelt and the Elkhorn brand. Now then, often 
to me, as I'm looking at these records, when I see a brand, I see it being the peak of someone's aspirations. And I think that is exactly what happened with Joseph Proctor and his wife Elizabeth and daughter Martha. So Proc, as he was named, was a cowboy that came up from Texas. He worked for half a dozen outfits between Wyoming and eastern Montana, and he bought his own place eventually. So right around 1916, he bought his own place. And he has the brand. You can see it's Lazy MK Bar is how I read that. And again, someone who's more familiar with reading brands can correct me. They had a place in Rosebud County. As you go through the records, um, you can see that they hang on to that as long as he is alive. While he, and then, not only does he have a brand, his daughter Martha gets a brand. And it's Bar MP, so Martha Proctor. She was a mover and a shaker as well. Will James. And I like this story because the, the brand is so tied to the land. So Will James was born in Quebec. He had a different name when he was born. But when he migrated to the United States, he changed his name to Will James. And he recreated himself. He winds up initially in Nevada, gets caught cattle wrestling, and goes to prison. While in prison, he starts drawing. And after prison, and I'm glad to say it sounds like prison, he decided he didn't want to go back there. He winds up becoming an amazing artist and a storyteller. He wrote Smokey, which won a Newberry when he was still in Nevada. <clears throat> Later, he bought a place that is located at the foot of the Priors. And in his last years, he was seen a lot here at Billings. He liked to drink a lot. And then he would go home to the ranch. My guess is when the law enforcement or friends said, well, it's, it's time to go home. <laughs> but the circle H and the rocking R are still tied to his ranch, even though a family by the name of Redding owns it. I think that's really cool. So, will James find that? Oh, okay. A couple more. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, so I, whoa, excuse me. I tried to come up with some great reservation, great, in my mind they're all great, brands. And this is what distracted me. In the 30s, Tongue River Reservation, Fort Belknap, Rocky Boy, the Blackfeet Reservation, and the Flathead all recorded the ID brand ID on different body parts. Anybody, and I, I'm, I'm in, anybody got to guess what ID means? Because I was not able to find it. Yes? Probably Indians part. Because I know that the bison were also uh, marked ID back in the 1880s. Okay, so something federal. Laura and I were talking about this. So would you review what ID, what she said ID stood Indian department. That makes sense. It does make sense. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> All right. Last, Peter Yagen. You can't drive into Billings without the um, Y over P. Peter Yagen was 
a Billings cornerstone, born of Swiss immigrant parents. In 1919, he opened a real estate insurance office. At, and that when I was raised here as a kid, when I was here in the 60s, everywhere you looked, there was a, a, that brand. And he left such a mark on Billings that they renamed the Yellowstone County Museum up on the up by across the street, across the road from the airport, the Peter Yeager Museum. And this is still in his family. So one more. I thought I said that the last time. Um, this is the Kranza family. They left Mexico in the 20s. They were eventually um, hired by Holly Sugar Company. They and 400 other families moved to this part of Montana, and they worked for the Holly Sugar Company. The Carenza family, initially it was Anastasio, bought their own farm in the 30s. And sadly, they lost, during the course of time, they lost the brand. And their daughter, Margaret, wasn't able to get the exact brand, but it is really close. So here we've got the bar KZ, and here's the Z bar K. She died at 100 years old, and she was one heck of a woman. Um, Amy knows the Krenza family. That's, uh, their daughter, Juanita, is just as tough as her mother. But again, imagine topping those beats and, and the labor they did and saving enough to get their own place. All right. I'm going to end with as we began. All right. What a lovely picture. And here is the Eckhart brand. It's, it's a lazy D and then a bar and a nine. What, what did the family call it? D bar nine. D bar nine. And that was the horse brand. This is the horse brand. At one time it was for cattle and horses. When it was, no, that's okay. There's, you weren't there in 1913. I can swear to it. Yes, she was. Okay. Oh. <laughs>